0: E-Telligence, energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett, brought to you by E-Focus Marketing.
1: Hi, and welcome to another episode of e I'm Kate Barrett, the founder of E-Focus Marketing, a specialist email marketing agency helping companies to use email more intelligently. Today for our eTelligence Masterclass, once again, we'll dig down into a specific email marketing topic to help you increase your results. And today is no different. We're going to be talking all about how to make a move from batch and blast, same thing to everyone, to automation heaven, specifically for retailers. Now, of course, it's always great to learn from other industries. So if you're listening in, stay tuned. Even if you're not a retailer, because there'll be lots of tips and tricks that I'm sure you can pick up too. Now it's my pleasure to be joined by a guest again today, and I've got Chloe Thomas from E-Commerce Masterplan with me. Chloe is a best-selling author, international speaker, and host of the award-winning e-commerce masterplan podcast. Clary is one of the top 50 UK influencers in e-commerce and shipping, and the podcast is regularly included in lists of the top e-commerce and marketing podcasts in the world. So I'm thoroughly jealous here. Chloe has been in e-commerce since 2003. She's worked client side, agency side, and advisor side, with a wide variety of retailers from high street, omnichannel operations, to fresh online-only startups, covering international launches, subscription, B2B, and even dabbling in marketplaces. Chloe's speciality is solving e-commerce marketing problems from how to increase new customer acquisition to improving the performance of email marketing, newsletters, and more. Chloe, welcome. (laughs) That was quite an introduction. I'm definitely jealous of your award-winning podcast, but I'm honored to have been on it. So it's my pleasure to bring you back and reciprocate and be able to dig out all the information from your amazing brain as well. So Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thanks, Kate. It's great great to be here. I love a nice chat about email, so I'm, I'm sure we're going to give your listeners plenty, plenty of, uh, of good things to get their teeth stuck into today.
1: Definitely. So before we jump into all of that, do you want to introduce us to what you do and how you help clients?
0: Yeah, sure. So, so most of what I do these days is about giving people the tools to solve their own marketing problems. So mainly I write books, host podcasts and speak at conferences. So I don't I do not do a lot of client work, to be honest. Um, I'm too busy doing other things. <laughs> so so yeah, so I've got two podcasts. I've got the e-commerce master plan podcast, which is the one that's won the award been going for five years. I've got uh, the keep optimizing podcast, which is all about improving your marketing. Um, And that's got launched this year. So, that's properly exciting. I'm 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 very obsessed with that one at the
1: moment. I'm and so then, excited for that to launch properly and for all of the episodes to to be out cuz I know you've been recording away and you've got some great guests on. So yeah, I'm really excited for all of those episodes. Yeah, it's um it's it's quite an exciting show cuz on the
0: other show I interview retailers and on this new one I get to interview marketing experts. Mm. And I kind of create a wish list of who I want to talk to and they keep saying yes. It's <laughs> <That mad>. amazing. <laughs> oh brilliant yeah it's really cool and the, and of course you are one of my
1: first guests so, no. uh, so yeah. <laughs> well I highly recommend not just because I, I've been a guest on both of them now but I yeah. highly recommend definitely listening into them they are so useful and so jam-packed full of information so we'll make sure that we link to both of those um, in the show notes and to the books as well obviously you're a published author so tell us a little bit more about just very quickly what led you to write your books how many have you got and what are they about well there's
0: five wow uh, they're all, yeah they're, they're a bit addictive a bit like podcasts once you've got one yeah, it puts my one. one to shame doesn't it right I don't, I, they, uh, all mine are about e-commerce so um Some of them are about the strategy of e-commerce. They're they're about helping you find your path to success, really, and what to consider and what to make decisions around. Um, And the more recent ones are focusing in on elements of the customer journey. So, there's e-commerce marketing, how to get traffic that buys to your website. That's the most recent one. Um, That's been out for about six months and is usually uh, around the top of the of the bestseller charts for e-commerce or retail in the UK and the US, which blows my mind. Um, and that one is all about the different marketing methods you can use to grow an e-commerce business. And then uh, customer persuasion is, is the other recent one, which is about the wider perspective of how to turn inquirers into buyers and buyers into repeat buyers and all that kind of good stuff, but taking in, taking into account more than just marketing. And and why you asked why I started writing them? Um, mm. I started writing them because I, I had spent a lot of time. This is gosh, this was about ten years ago now, berating the fact at networking events that the world of e-commerce didn't have a blueprint. Whereas mm-hmm. the world of mail order did. In mail order, you select your products, you take photos, you write something, you design a catalogue, you print a catalogue, you send it to the mailing house, you send it out and you get orders back. And there wasn't anything like that in e-commerce. And to be fair, there still isn't because it's it's far too multi-dimensional. But I've been berating this. And then I was sat with a group of people who were asking how to write a book and discovered that for most people, the difficulty in writing a book is writing the book, not producing the book. And I was mm-hmm. like writing a book sounds easy and i've got this <laughs> problem i keep complaining about so why don't i just write it so that was was the first book which was going to be called e-commerce blueprint but i used google adwords to do a split test or an ab test rather on what keyword combinations got the best click through rates and so it ended up being called e-commerce master plan and wow, 15 years what a later great idea
1: <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I never thought so, to do um, that to be honest. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I haven't done it with any books since, which is kind of mental, but uh, but yes, back then I had good ideas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really interesting and it it just shows the power of testing and not just necessarily relying on what you think, but looking at actually what your audience are telling you. So I think that's just a really interesting illustration of that. And your your books are amazing. Again, we'll link to those in the show notes. And I love the, the point that you make about the customer journey and bringing people in at the first place and then bringing them back to keep buying from you and increasing that loyalty. And one of the ways that is fantastic at doing that through email marketing is using automation. So the first thing that you really need to do is think about that plan and having that in-depth plan of where you want to go with your email marketing and what you're trying to achieve. You've, You've got to know that if you want to get the best results and the most out of the channel. And a big part of that comes down to understanding who your customers are, what they need, And when they need it, you've got to have the right people coming onto your email list to be able to then engage them with with the content that you have at the right time. And those days of batch and blast, sending the same thing to everyone are dwindling. And if you want to stay ahead of the competitors, if you want to stand out in the inbox, you've got to use that knowledge about your customers to deliver messaging that's relevant to them in that moment. So it's that right message, right person, right time. And whether that's that you want to achieve uh, an initial high, this is who we are as a brand when they've just found you, all the way through to, as you say, bringing people back in and gaining those repeat purchases, improving your customer service, and really using email as your core channel One of the brilliant ways to do that is through automation, as I said. So creating those emails that automatically send when they're triggered based on an action or inaction. So it's important to understand where you want to go in order to actually get there. And those types of automated campaigns are going to be some of the highest performing campaigns that you send. You need to test them. You've got to get the timing right, the content targeting, design, the offer, you've got to understand what does and doesn't work. But if you get those right and you put the work in up front and you do that testing and you keep optimizing those emails, they will work for you once they're created and meet that kind of trifecta of needs. So Chloe, why do you think, and thinking about kind of the, the content from your books and all of those specific areas that you focused in on for retail, why do you think not automated campaigns work so well, and why should people consider if they haven't already or if they have and how they optimize them, putting them in alongside their regular manual campaigns? I think it's that I think the reason they work so
0: well is because it's a way of creating content and calls to action to get people to buy all our marketing. It's ways of creating that that hits someone at the right time because simply by the the nature of the automation, it's triggered by something. So the customer does something, they behave in some way, they sign up to your emails, they buy something, they visit your website, and then you send them content directly related to what that behavior was, you know. And that, I think, is where it becomes really powerful because, you know, The whole time I've been in this industry, we've talked about getting the right message in front of the right person at the right time. And automation, once it's set up, just does that for you. So it gives that high quality tailored content out to somebody, even though it's all all set up and automated and going to many. So it creates that better relationship with the customer. It's hugely powerful. Um, I think, you know, we we know that. I think everyone listening knows that. But the challenge I find people have is finding the time to create the space to do it because you get in this churn of newsletters, newsletter after newsletter after newsletter that you've got to send out the day to day that, you know, building a welcome campaign sits on the to-do list for ages and people just don't get round to it. And I think that's, that, the, the good thing about that is that the chances are your competitors aren't doing it either. So it's a great way to take a step ahead of your competitors and to be able to build a customer relationship, which enables you to take a step ahead of the competitors because they're just not building a relationship in the same way. Because like you, they're so busy setting out newsletters, they don't do it. So it's it's a hugely, hugely beneficial thing to spend some time building.
1: Definitely. And throughout that customer journey, there are lots of different types of automations that you could be sending. And a lot of that does come down to the specific data that you as a business hold on your subscribers, on your customers, your potential customers. But there are certainly pieces of data that we would expect retailers to have, such as the last order date, for example. Now, whether or not that's actually available for use in the ESP, that's a a whole nother story, isn't it? Chloe, making sure you've got the right data in place, the systems connected together, and we're going to talk about systems later. But what is the key consideration that you would kind of put in at that point when you're thinking about the data that you need for your automations, when you're thinking about that customer journey and what you could implement, where do you suggest people start?
0: Well, I think the first thing to do is not to sit down and go, I need to build some automations. Mm -hmm. You need to even take a step back from that. And you need to ask yourself, what is the most important thing I should be doing in my business right now to improve its performance? And when it comes to to looking at your marketing, that's looking at the customer journey and going, where are we currently weakest? Where are people getting missed off? The flip side of that, of course, is where is the greatest opportunity? But generally, the greatest opportunity is where where we're weakest and once you've worked out where that is for your business and it might be different from business to business then that's where you should start looking to build the first automation if an automation is the way to fix it you know if the problem is you've got to not not got enough people hearing about your business then an automation isn't going to help because um well quite frankly you've got no data to send anything to <laughs> but Normally, people spend a lot of time on getting the traffic to their business in the first place. So generally, the automations sit in one of two places. Either you're not converting enough people to first-time buyers or you're not getting enough repeat purchases. And for the average e-commerce business... The getting the order is, you know, pays for your marketing spend, that first order, and then getting future orders generally is where you start going into profit. So those are the two places most people end up starting with their automations, either turning someone into a buyer or
1: turning someone into a repeat buyer. So someone who's bought more than once. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely perfect. I love that explanation of it. I I often talk to people and, and clients about understanding what are the business objectives once you know what your business wants to achieve you can start to break it down to get down to that channel objective and and point you in the right direction so if your company wants to increase its revenue by 25 percent over the next 12 months whatever that is dwindle that down what does that mean for marketing what what do we have to achieve here generate that revenue exactly as you said do we need to bring in more new customers or do we need to encourage more repeat customers and more loyalty depending on which of those two that's where you can then start to decide where are those areas of opportunity? Where are you weakest? Where can you optimize what you're currently doing versus bringing in new strategies to fill those gaps and better serve your customers? So I'm absolutely (laughs) on the same page as you and and that's what we regularly advise our, our clients as well. So once you know whether or not you're going down the acquisition strategy route or the retention route, and maybe we can look at, a few examples of of each of those. What do you see as the most common automated campaigns, the people you work with, people you speak to, those companies that you interview for your podcast? What do they usually have in place and which are the most fruitful? Well, unfortunately, what people usually have in
0: place is quite patchy. Um, so, yeah. you know, I'm always quite, I, these even now I'm still quite impressed if someone's actually built an automation, um, because, you know, it's still a depressingly large number of people who don't even have abandoned basket set up, which is
1: if you've got the right software as a couple of clicks and it's up and running. Well, this is the thing. If you're using something like Magento or Shopify, a lot of those have the basic functionality for that, at least where you can, you know, upload the HTML into it or just send out, you know, more of a, a Plainer email with those products pulled in. So there's there's really no excuse not to turn those on, is there?
0: No, I wouldn't have said so. <laughs> um, and there's there's a lot of money to be made for an abandoned basket campaign uh, because yes. as as human beings these days, we are very distracted. You know, a lot of the time we're not failing to check out because we don't want the product. We're failing to check out because the TV program started again or. The bus finished moving or, you know, something else <laughs> yeah. happened in the world or our Wi-Fi signal died or mm-hmm. the chips were ready. You know, there's, there's plenty of reasons why we get distracted. So an abandoned basket campaign can be, in almost
1: every instance, hugely, hugely um valuable and that works for both acquisition and retention when you're looking at the abandoned basket it could be for people who haven't bought from you before or it can be from people who've bought from you a hundred times before it works to generate bev- re- to generate revenue in both instances yeah it does and it's which which makes it kind of one of the great ones if you can do it
0: mm-hmm. easily then it's a great place to start unfortunately there's a lot of people with the software in place which means it's a it's a nightmare Which is uh, unfortunate, when but but hard to fix. I would say the biggest error for those who've got it set up that I see is immediately offering a discount you know, so someone abandons a basket and within an hour you offer them 20% off or 10% off or free shipping. Like I said, the majority of people, they've just got distracted and you're just giving away your margin for no reason at all. You know, have a second email 12, 24 hours later where you potentially offer something, but to be putting a, a discount code or an offer in that first abandoned basket email is generally not worth it when you can do it further down the sequence. If someone still isn't buying
1: Yeah, and the issue with that is that if you do that, people start to game the system, they start to learn that you're just going to give them a discount. So even if they do want to buy from you, I know lots of people who know that that retailer will send out an offer. So they just put stuff in their basket wait for the offer, and then they buy it. So, if you are going to use that discount, if you can perhaps randomize it in some way, perhaps only have it running for certain months of the year, or, you know, if you don't have technology to change it on an individual person basis, but it's definitely worth thinking through. And, If you can, if you do have that software and it's a a flick of a switch almost, you've got to get the content in place, of course. But it's a starting point. One email is better than no emails. Whether you already have 100 automations set up or you have none set up, don't let the thought that you've got to have some massive 100-piece campaign set up, start with one email and build from there. If that's all the resources that you have right now or that's what you can do easily, do that and then plan for the extension of that into a series of emails or how you then um, put that into another piece of software outside of your Shopify or Magento or any other platform that you're using, put it into an email service provider and trigger it out from there. But get started with it, do something. So I think that's a, a brilliant example of the one automation that every retailer, no excuse should have set up because guaranteed pretty much it's going to generate you revenue. It's going to save some of those abandoned sales. So definitely get that one set up in the first instance. What are some of the other campaigns that you see set up with retailers or that you would advise retailers to start with in terms of their strategy and whether it's acquisition or retention based?
0: Well, the other, the other key one for me is the welcome campaign, by mm. which I mean the email campaign that goes to the people who have signed up to your email list. Yes. Um, and this one's well, the, the great thing about a welcome campaign is anyone can do it it is incredibly simple to set up. It does mm-hmm. not require the complexity of an abandoned basket. So even if you're on a difficult platform, I bet you can still get your welcome campaign set up. The other good thing about it, which is not how most people view it, but the other good thing about it from, from actually getting it set up is, okay, just like you were saying about start with one email in the abandoned basket campaign, even if you think you're going to need a 10-part welcome campaign to get your message across, you can put it live with one. You know, mm-hmm. yep, exactly. And you can, you know, just by having one email to welcome people to your list, it will put you ahead of the great majority of retailers in the world because business retailers are terrible at creating these because usually because they can't think of something to say. And that's why the welcome campaign in, is so important because we are now in a world where consumers are are they're wanting to buy from companies they feel an emotional connection to. They want a story about the product. They want a story they can tell their friends about the product. They want to feel connected to the companies they're buying from. So if you want to turn someone who's been to your website once and who felt compelled enough to, to, to give you their email address, if you want to turn them into your perfect customer, you've got to tell them the story of your business. And that starts on the basis of the email welcome campaign, where you're explaining what your products are like, why you selected them, why you created them the way you did, who the founders are, why they created the business, the mission, any ethical sustainability elements you've got going on, you know your customer testimonials, social proof, uh, where you've been written about in the press. There's so much good stuff you can put into a welcome campaign um, that actually, once you get past that first email that says, welcome to our, to our list, thank you for signing up, all the rest of them, if you're struggling for time, you can send that out as your weekly newsletter and then put it in your welcome campaign afterwards. You know, an email which is full of great customer testimonials, why not send it to everybody? Then you can use that time to just create one email and put it into both your welcome campaign and send it out to your list as well, which is a really great way of finding the time to create the emails in the sequence e-telligence. Energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett. Brought to you by eFocus Marketing. Pick up a copy of Kate's book, e Email
1: marketing isn't dead the way you're using it is on Amazon now. Definitely. And and this one works really well to drive that first purchase. And a lot of retailers um, will often give an opt-in incentive at that first point. And I think this is really interesting for those that do and then send a welcome email, but don't do anything else. Or perhaps even don't send a welcome email um, and, and yeah. give that you know discount code on the landing page or something. But use those initial emails, whether you've given an offer or not, but particularly if you've given an offer to drive that first purchase. Somebody's told you they're interested. And particularly if they've signed up for a special offer, they're giving you buying signals that they are definitely considering making a purchase from you. So what do they need to know in that series? Like you said, there are so many pieces of information that you could put in there and i find it really helpful to think about what is your end goal of the series so for a welcome series i focus on the first 24 hours and the first 30 days after somebody subscribes as my first port of call when i'm getting started so think about those two time frames now a welcome series can go shorter or it can go longer but within those initial emails What do you want to convey? What do you want them to do? What do you want them to feel? What are the messages that they need to understand? From your current customers, what do you know somebody needed to do in terms of a thought process or information they needed to read or what they needed to know to get them to that purchase? This can happen over a course of, one email and someone buys straight away, or they might need five emails or 10 emails to do that. So it's having that understanding of what you want to achieve and building up that messaging. Don't give too much one in one email, break it down and do it over a a series. So I really love that as an example. And again, so many people, I'm the same as you, that I see that don't have that in place. And it's such a simple one to, again, drive you through to that acquisition goal. Always think about what those goals are. And when you're thinking about um, automations that people have, I know there's one that springs to mind for me or an area that springs to mind for me. Let's see if it kind of matches up to to your thoughts as well. (laughs) In terms of an area that people often forget when it comes to automation. So what do you think is the most forgotten area of automation that people they could be triggering emails or doing better in a, a specific area. What do you think?
0: Oh man, Kate, I'm trying to guess what you're thinking about here, but <laughs> I would say the one that people don't do and should do. I come back to the welcome campaign again. So yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm now really intrigued. Which campaign are you talking about?
1: <laughs> so for me, it's the post-purchase Series of emails. So I see so many retailers doing the basics. So you'll get your order confirmation, you'll get your shipping notification, you may even get a request for a review after the product or service has been delivered to you. But I see very few retailers taking it to the next step, really thinking about this person's made a purchase from me. How can I make this experience so good through my marketing, through email that they want to buy again? That it makes that loyalty stage easier. Do you know what I mean?
0: I do. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because I really should have thought of it. And clearly I'm as guilty as everyone else <laughs> of forgetting about the I put you on the spot campaign. with it
1: just to try and guess. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I should, I should have guessed it as well. I mean, I think for me, one of the one of the best things about the post purchase campaign is that it it delivers for the retailer in so many ways. Because first off, you know, you're mm-hmm. creating someone who's going to be happier with their product because of the content they're receiving, so they're more likely to buy. Secondly, they're going to be happier with the products, so they're more likely to be bothered to leave a review because they're going to feel a bit more connected to your business if you do it well. So therefore, they're going to want to help you out. They're going to put the review, which then, of course, helps you sell more product to other people. And then thirdly, done well, it can reduce the load on your customer services team. If you're reassuring people about how the product's going to arrive, when it's going to arrive, answering questions they might have, it can actually save you money as well because there's going to be less reason for people to phone and contact um, your customer service team. And It's it's over 50% of calls to customer service uh, lines are about delivery. You know, so if, wow. you can, if you can send some extra emails to reassure people it's on the way, you can make huge cost savings in that space too. So it's a campaign that
1: really just does deliver on all fronts. Exactly. And I've seen this work with returns as well. So I saw an example once of a company, I think they sold um, like ski boots or something like that. And there was a, a problem that they kept encountering that they were getting a lot of returns. And it was because people didn't know when they were getting those shoes how to fit them properly. And they thought that they then didn't fit because they weren't doing them up properly, they weren't, um, you know, putting them on. So, what they did was they used that post purchase cycle to teach people. How to put those shoes on properly, and subsequently they've saw their returns rate decrease. So if you can understand what are those questions that people are asking, what are they struggling with? What do they need to know? And then you can help them with that. They'll get more satisfaction from the purchase they've just made. You'll have a lower returns rate, lower calls to your customer services, and a much higher retention rate when people come back to you as well. So think about how you can go above and beyond to help people with their purchase and i understand that for you know retailers with thousands of products that's going to seem like a mammoth task but even if you don't do it on an individual product level. So if you couldn't get down to the level where you sent a video that showed people how to apply their foundation properly for your foundation products versus, uh, you know, if you sell sheds and you've only got a few of them, you know, makeup products with hundreds of them versus five types of sheds, there's a big difference in terms of what you would be able to do. So if you've got a lot of products, think about grouping them and think about how you could create videos or content or information for those groups of products and show people where to find more information perhaps you know perhaps you've got lots of content already on your website drive them to that so think about what you've already got that you could repurpose think about grouping people and doing a, a more general piece of information to begin with before you drill down so there's so much you can do and around that customer journey particularly for retailers and this is where I get the most excited is is working with retailers, because you've got a lot of data, you've got those regular purchases, and you've got your acquisition and your retention side. So there are so many different types of automations you can do, depending on your objectives, depending on the data that you have, and you've got to put those two together. So when somebody's doing that, and they are starting to create a plan of those automations, you mentioned about finding the weaknesses in your strategy. And I've obviously mentioned about linking that to your business objectives, but do you have any other tips for people when they actually sit down to say, right, you know, what am I writing here? Or how many emails have I got to have in this series? Or what is the series I should be looking at? Are there any other tips other than what we've talked about to help them plan out those series?
0: Yeah, my, my primary one would be I think everyone sits down when they're thinking about a series and they draw out a box and they write email one at the top of the box and they try <laughs> to work out what to put in email one. Yeah. And that's not where you should start. You should start by working out what messages you want to get across over the course of that sequence. Exactly. And then take those messages and work out how they fit into a number of emails. And that's also how you work out how many emails you're going to be sending because you'll work out how many messages you want to get across. So for a welcome campaign, for example, I would split that into elements of social proof, purchase call to actions, information about the product, so the quality and and that kind of thing, um, and uh, things which remove barriers to purchase. So delivery information, um, anything which would stop someone buying basically, and then just general trust building stuff. So I'd create those as kind of like five columns across my page and then write down everything I could think of that could go in into one of those columns that I ought to tell someone if they're going to become my perfect customers. If you imagine you're running a market stall and someone comes up and you need to persuade them how to buy from you, that's what the kind of mindset you're going to be in. I put that piece of paper away, sleep on it, come back to it the following day, revisit it, check I've got things in the right columns um, and then have another think. And then if I was then happy with it, that's the point at which I'd start working out what goes in each email. Because starting by going what goes in email one is... It's really hard and you're going to get it wrong. Um, So you've got to start with the content first and then work out how it divides
1: down into emails. And what about time-saving tips? So you mentioned earlier on about potentially reusing an email that you were thinking about creating for your welcome email series. So if it's got testimonials and actually sending that out as a newsletter one month to the rest of your audience as well. Have you got any other time-saving tips like that that you've seen that have worked for other retailers? Well, the, the other key
0: one would be not trying to
1: reinvent the wheel.
0: So, um, Kate, I think you've meant you mentioned this once already when we we're talking about the post-purchase, but it's, it's looking at what blog posts you've got that you could reuse, looking at what videos you've got you could reuse, you know, what content have you already got lying around that you could repurpose into these sequences rather than just you know, um, making it all up from scratch again, and I guess linked into that, if you're a you know a larger retailer, is potentially putting in some um, some widgets, I guess, that auto update within your emails based on customer behaviour. But I might be getting a bit
1: too techy there. <laughs> no, no, no. This is where people need to be thinking about how can their technology help them to take their campaigns to the next level. So I think this is a really interesting point, and for me. I always advise clients to start with your strategy first, understand what it is that you want to do, and then go and find the piece of technology or pieces of technology, because you may need multiple linked together to help you achieve your objectives. So when it comes to software, where should people start to find that piece or pieces that is going to help them put that jigsaw together and actually get that strategy out the door?
0: well email system technology has come on leaps and bounds in the last mm-hmm. say 4 or 5 years yeah um so the more the the younger platforms some of the stuff they can do is unbelievably pl- powerful which is not mm-hmm. to say the older platforms can't also do it but um i guess if you haven't shopped around for email software for a while i'd start by getting yourself a demo with one of the newer guys just to see what is now possible then i'd sit down and work out What you need to integrate with, because that's the make or break of your platform is how well it integrates. And modern integrations, they go deep with your website and gosh, do they deliver. Um, So work out what you're trying to integrate with, then work out what sort of marketing you actually want to do. What sort of campaigns do you want to do? What do you think is going to work for you? Not just a wish list of everything that's possible, but the things you think you're actually going to implement in the first year because you believe they'll benefit your business. Once you've got that list of what you want, then you can start actually going and looking at the different platforms to see which ones are going to going to give you what you need and i think these days the way we're moving is that these automations they're not just about what happens on email they're about what happens on other platforms as well so a lot of talk at the moment about sms messaging so you want a platform that can handle that because you want that to be seamlessly integrated with your email, you know, your email welcome campaign should fit with your SMS welcome campaign. The easiest way to make that happen is to have it all coming out of the same black box. So, you know, you want something that can handle those. Um, web push notifications bring into the mix. Live chat might be coming into the mix for you. What uh, All kinds of different comms channels that way. Plus, you then get the ability to live sync your segmentations in your email platform with advertising channels like Facebook and Google. So if someone's in your welcome campaign and they're at a point where you're giving them a 10% off voucher, you can put them an ad on Facebook that duplicates that offer. Super clever stuff, which if you buy the right tech is incredibly easy to do. So you kind of got to think a bit wider than just email as a silo if you want to find the right, right technology for you
1: absolutely and i think all of those are are brilliant points So today we have kind of talked generally about automation, some of the benefits of it, some of the ways that retailers can start thinking about putting it into their strategy. And we're going to have some future episodes that will go into different types of automation in in more detail and move us through to that more advanced level. So Chloe, you'll have to come back on for some other episodes (laughs) and and chat to me about specifics. But we wanted to give people a, a taster of it today and some inspiration to start looking at automation if you haven't already. And if you are already doing automation, how can you take it to the next level? How can you add to what you're doing, optimize what you're doing? So what would be your final advice for our listeners, your final tip that you'd like to leave people with when they're thinking about automated campaigns? Oh, that's an
0: easy one to answer. So work out where you've got a problem and then try and solve that problem. Don't just get excited by something cool someone else did. Find something which is actually going to fix a problem you've got. And that's
1: where you should start. Excellent. That is fantastic advice. And thank you so much for being a brilliant guest, Chloe. Tell people how they can find out more about you, your books, your podcasts, and how they can get in touch with you. Cool. Well, look, thanks,
0: Kate. It's been a pleasure to chat with you as it always is. Um, guys, you, those of you out there listening, you can find everything I'm up to at ecommercemasterplan.com um, and there you'll find links to, to both the podcast, the books and uh, ways to get in contact with me as well. So that's
1: ecommercemasterplan.com. Brilliant. All be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Chloe. And yeah, hopefully you can join me for another episode soon. I'd love to. Thanks, Kate. So that's it for today's intelligence masterclass. I hope you found it useful and a little introduction into automation. We'll be going into much more depth in future episodes. So please do come back. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast provider you're listening through. Follow us on YouTube for more video-based content and find eFocus marketing on all the socials. Thanks for listening. Intelligence,
0: energising your email marketing with Kate Barrett. Head to our website for downloads and show notes: e-focusmarketing.com/slash-intelligence.